Hey everyone, I'm Erin Minkley and I'm your host of this podcast called Artists Who Thrive. I'm a visual artist, entrepreneur, author, and single mama, and I am doing big things in this world. In 2015, I quit all three of my part-time jobs one day and decided to start a business. In the same month, my 10-year marriage fell apart. As I scrambled to pick up the pieces of my life and put together an image of what my dream life could be, I learned some tips and tricks for how to succeed at business and at life as a creative. When the going got tough, I launched a Kickstarter campaign to raise enough money for my startup. With $21,000 and a little elbow grease, Relativity Textiles was born. Five years later, our revenue is at a quarter of a million dollars each year, selling my art. What did I do to get here? It wasn't easy, and I'll spare you most of the story, but this podcast explores the concepts of my book, Artists Who Thrive. Join me in learning how to build resilience, create new relationships, and achieve real results each week right here on this podcast. Okay, so hello there again, faithful listener. I'm back, and it's 2020, and I have not recorded a single episode in a year. But I am back on the bandwagon with some pretty shocking revelations from the last week in business at my company, Relativity Textiles. I want to talk about something that we actually say out loud as artists and designers all the time, which is, I suck at math. This phrase has been heard over and over again within the four walls of my shop, And they are rambling around like marbles inside my brain today as I ponder how to break down this evil thing called math into a digestible and even, dare I say, friendly concept. Math doesn't have to suck. Math is your friend, especially if you want to be an artist who thrives. It's probably the defining factor between an artist who's not thriving and an artist who is thriving. So I'm going to illustrate this with a couple of stories. Last summer, we had a lovely intern whose name I will change for posterity. Elaine was asked to hang eight picture frames on the wall for an art opening at Relativity Textiles headquarters. I told her each frame was 18 inches wide and the total width of the wall was 177 inches. I gave her a ruler and a hammer, and I walked away. If she'd been an anime character, you could pan super tightly into her eyes and see them welling up with tears. Sweat in a perfect raindrop bead rolling down her brow. Shaking with anxiety, she uttered these words as a last-ditch effort for me to turn around and come back. Um, I'm bad at math. As the daughter of a high school math teacher, Mr. Minkley, I was forced to take math all the way until 12th grade. My father had a whiteboard in our basement and an office, which was more like a torture chamber where I cried over sine and cosine many nights of my adolescence. My dad used to teach me math by doing the problems for me. 
He would literally take my homework assignment and do them one at a time on the whiteboard. By the time I caught on to what he was doing, I would get annoyed watching him dance around the whiteboard, and I would just steal the marker from him and finish the equation myself. Little did I know, I was not even required to go to AP Calculus. I could have very well stopped taking math my sophomore year because I'd advanced through pre-college algebra and met the standards for the state of Utah by 10th grade. I was no genius. I was just, I guess I had a nerd for a parent who wanted to see me not suck at life. He thought math was a solution to all of life's problems, I guess, and so he shared his love of numbers with me. I really had no joy in doing math, though. But as I look back on it now, I'm realizing that I am extremely lucky to have had this mentorship and guidance while I was coming up. This translates now to me using mathematics every single day as I run a business. I understand my accounting software. I can create a cost-benefit analysis. I look at my balance sheet and I know what my profit is. I can calculate the dimensions of pretty much any room and tell you how many rolls of wallpaper to order. But most importantly, I can take a singular artwork and turn it into a pattern ready for print production. I can quickly and effortlessly do this in Adobe Illustrator because I know the functions of the X and Y axis and I use the transform tool. So without basic math, I would never be able to operate my business. So think about that for a minute when an artist comes to me and says that they have a couple of images that they would like to create and turn into textiles, and they wanna know how much does it cost to make a roll of wallpaper. I have to walk them through what they would need to charge at a retail price to be able to make money on that roll of wallpaper. And last week I explained to two different artists what the cost of goods sold was. So anyone that's not familiar, it's also called COGS. Cost of goods sold, an acronym, is standing for what does it cost you to make the item? So if you're making paintings, it might be the paintbrush, the paint, the canvas, and your time. But for me, I'm printing wallpaper, and what I'm charging people to print wallpaper is $200 per roll. And so this artist said, so I can sell it for $200 a roll. And I said, no, no, you can't sell it for $200 a roll because then you would make $0. And so we decided to bump the retail price to $400, which is twice the cost of goods sold. And as I'm looking at her, seeing her wheels spinning, I think that she's following me. I told her that the showroom, Relativity Textiles, if we were selling her wallpaper, would take a 20% commission. And I asked this artist, what's 20% of 400? She said, I don't know. I said, well, write down 80. And then she seemed to understand. Okay, 40 plus 40, 80, 10%, 20%. Good. I said, okay. 
an interior designer is also going to want 20% as a discount. And they're going to resell it at the retail price of 400. So minus another 80. And I said, what is 400 minus 80 minus 80 minus 200? She said, I don't know. And so I got out a calculator for this woman who's at least 15 years older than me. And I asked her to punch out the numbers. And so we came up with what number? 400 minus 80 minus 80 minus 200 is $40. I said, that's your commission, $40. The interior designer is going to make 80. I'm going to make 80 for selling it. And you're going to make 40. I said, does that sound fair? She said, no. I said, well, then you're going to have to sell your wallpaper for more than $400 a roll. And so we did the math with 500 and we did the math with 580 and we kind of landed on the fact that she was probably going to sell things around $600 a roll because that's three times the cost of goods sold. And she would be breaking even with the designer commission and making the same amount of money. But the 20% goes up every time that you change the retail price. And so we had to keep calculating things. And this artist got a little antsy. To be honest, she wanted to leave. She was squirming in her seat. And she confided in me something that I was a little shocked, mostly because she's older than me. And she's been running two different businesses for a long time. She said, I am not good at math. And as I looked at her face, I imagined her in third grade with her glasses sitting in the back row, staring at the chalkboard and giving up, giving up at some small math assignment that she couldn't solve and saying in her mind, I'm going to be an artist when I grow up because I don't like math. And I think that this artist particularly is Uh, symbolic of all artists. Most artists out there that I talk to do not want to do math. They don't like to do math and they don't consider themselves good at math. But the differentiating factor between an artist who is profitable and an artist who is thriving and an artist who's able to go on vacation and pay all their bills with their art is that the artists who can do that understand this numbers game. And so it's curious to me why we give up on math or when we gave up on math. And I was exploring this idea with another creative friend of mine. I think I said, I think ultimately it comes down to shame. We might feel like a sense of shame about not being good at math. And so we sort of hide our inability to do math from as many people as we can. We don't want to talk about how we're not good at math. We don't want to talk about anything we're not good at. But we struggle with math because it's something that we assigned as foreign to us. And there's a shame about not being able to do it well. And so we avoid it and we feel guilty and bad 
about not being good at it, but we never actually take the step or take action to correct it, the not being good at something. So what I propose is that we confront this necessary evil. We confront math face to face. If we want to be wealthy, if we want to be rich, if we want to be profitable, if we want to even just get ourselves out of uh, the situation that we're in right now, here's an exercise that has worked for me. I open up a new page in a notebook. I take out my phone or laptop and I put together a list of all my expenses, all of my debts, all of the people who I owe money to, all of the things I would like to buy, all of these necessities that I might have been depriving myself of. And I put together a list of numbers. A lot of them are negative numbers. And that way I'm able to really see and confront what it is that I've been avoiding. Anything that causes shame around debt or uh, things that you would love to have, like a home, but you don't, and what it costs. What it costs to like upgrade your lifestyle is to be free from those debts and to be better at those numbers and to have positive numbers in your bank account to do as you wish. There's no shame about having positive numbers or uh, an abundance of uh, zeros at the end of numbers there's no shame about that typically. So we have to confront these numbers. We have to sit down with ourselves and find out what are the things that have been hiding. And if we want to build a business, one of the things that we can do is we can ask more questions. We can get more curious. We can find experts We can find mentors, we can find coaches that help us to plan and prepare for major investments in leveling up, getting to the next stage of your business, finding other streams of income and revenue and finding new customers and doing marketing and any equipment that you might need to buy in order to get to the next stage of your business. But I do think that there's a precaution in here. Something that has come up for me recently is that I realized while working with a coach that I was so preoccupied with the here and now of the numbers that I needed to make in order to get to that next stage that I did very little uh, imagining of a beautiful future if those numbers were to align. I wasn't really focused on any one goal. I was focused on the here and now. So physical reality as it is, uh, what are my constraints? What are my challenges? How do I pay for these things? Um, who Who can buy something from me? What is that number? If I subtract that number from what I need, how much more do I have left to go? All of that's great and measurable but it was without uh, the purpose and the meaning behind why I was trying to raise money. So 
these are the kinds of things that I do when I'm coaching artists is that I encourage them to find out what are, what are the cost of goods sold? What are the investments that you need to make? What are the expenses to running your business? And really confront those numbers head on. If you don't know what they are, find out, ask questions, ask someone who does know, and put together a small spreadsheet or plan. Now, I know that many of you who are creative are allergic to spreadsheets. Um, You're allergic to accounting softwares. You're allergic to even calculators and writing it down in a notebook, but you're going to have to take some metaphoric Zyrtec and approach these things that you're allergic to. We need to demystify math. So we put together a spreadsheet for potential clients that want to print wallpaper with us. Um, and we put together a break even point for this six month to launch program that I've been working on tirelessly since last year. Um, since we bought our printer, we're printing wallpaper for other people. And I want people to know exactly how much money it's going to cost to run a wallpaper business. And initially, they may spend thirty or forty thousand uh, dollars as an investment to getting their product line off the ground. Which, in terms of like, if you're going to start a restaurant or some other kind of business, it could be one point five million dollars before you open the door to your restaurant on the first day, right? Um, there's a lot more overhead. But with running a product line, the way that we've designed it for these other artists called the Relativity Collective, is that we are going to do most of the work for them to get their ideas from concept to product in six months. And so if that costs $40,000, um, what's the break-even point? Like how many rolls of wallpaper would you have to sell to pay off $40,000? And there's now a spreadsheet that has an algorithm that we put together with um, some formulas. And now you can very easily see, if I walk you through it as a client, um, how many rolls of wallpaper and at what price point would you have to sell in order to reach $40,000? And on top of that, if you wanted to make an additional $40,000, you know, let's call it 320 rolls of wallpaper. It's very clear. Once you see exactly what you need in order to complete um, a goal, it's very clear that in 12 months you need to uh, sell, what did I say, 320? 320 divided by 12, I have my calculator right here, 26, 26 rolls of wallpaper every single month. And if each person buys three, 26 divided by three is 8.8. So you need to have nine customers. Nine customers in one month seems a lot more doable than $80,000 that you were trying to make. So you have to be able to be willing to take a look, tell the truth, And when you see that you're um, feeling shame about math or you're feeling anxiety about doing math or you need help with math, then you can approach it in a different way with a little bit of curiosity and say, I want to figure this out. 
Um, and then there's processes that you can learn to creating those positive numbers in your bank account with small, sweet steps that you can take every day, every week, every month, every year until you reach your goal. But without a goal in mind, really you're just kind of aimlessly walking around the street, passing out business cards that say, I sell wallpaper. Would you like any? And you don't really have a real purpose or a real drive for why are you trying to sell wallpaper? or whatever it is that's the widget of your um, choice. If you're a creative person out there listening, you could be a musician. So how many albums, how many songs, how many tours? Um, These are all things that you can tweak. As I'm talking about wallpaper, you can talk about your own process. So I, in closing, want to say that math doesn't suck. Math sucked when you were in middle school and you gave up. Math sucked in high school uh, when you ditched class. Math sucked in college when you took out too many loans. Math sucked in marriage when you, uh, you know, put your name on a mortgage. Whatever it is, math did suck for you. But it doesn't have to suck anymore. Like... Up until now, math really sucks. But if you can think about it as a necessary evil, it's not something you have to grow to love. It's not something that you have to do every minute of every day, but you do have to become friends with it. And you do have to periodically check in, look and see the truth about what are your numbers? What are your debts? What are your financial goals? And what are the realistic profits that you're making on all this time that you're spending and all these materials that you're buying for your art practice? So I encourage you to take a look, make a list, write it down, even create a spreadsheet. And if you'd like help, I'm here for you. As a math nerd and also an artist, I kind of tend to be thought of as like a unicorn pony. But you guys, this is a skill that I learned And you can learn it too. Just as someone's an expert at running a marathon, they did not begin that way. They had to go through the motions of learning how to do something well before they got really good and mastered that skill. So mastery of math is not necessarily required in order to run a business, but if you want to really run a successful business, it is. Um, I know that a lot of artists say, I just want to do the fun part. I don't want to do the math part. I don't want to think about numbers. I don't want to do sales. I think chapter two of the book, Artists Who Thrive, is for you. If this is your uh, stance, it's called doing shit you don't want to do. So take a peek at that. If you guys haven't got a copy of the book, it's available on Amazon or profitableartist.org. I would love to hear your comments. Um, So drop me a line after this is over. And thanks so much for being here in 2023, listening to the podcast. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to that episode. I hope that you'll continue to be inspired by the content I'm creating. And also, I really want you to read the book. I know it's long, but you can find it on amazon.com. It's called Artists Who Thrive. 
Additionally, if you want more resources on how to build a vibrant art practice and a financially sustainable life, check out my website, profitableartist.org, where we have tons of free tools for you and sign up for that email newsletter so you can get on our radar for all kinds of great tips on how to be a profitable artist. Take care, you guys, and see you next week.